when is the right time to do a demo with somebody? Because you would have reps, you, you know what I mean? Here, uh, let me do a demo, demo with you because sometimes they yeah. have metrics because they need screen time. They need talk time just to run it through. If you didn't have reprise, what, when, when should you show a, a prospect the product? Oh, it's such a good question. I actually want your thoughts on this too. I have, uh, I have sort of changed how I feel about this uh, because of getting into this world of product-led growth and, and reprieve. Yeah. I have historically been the salesperson, sales leader that is like discovery, discovery, discovery. You need to do thorough discovery. You need to understand their pain, their needs, the impact. You need to quantify metrics, you need blah, blah, blah. You need to get all that before you can hope to give a tailored demo. And I still think that there is importance in doing discovery, but buyers are more impatient now and they really want to feel the product sooner. So now uh, what a lot of companies are doing, which I also now endorse begrudgingly after many months yeah. and years of like fighting this is kind of a combination of, it, it also depends on the, it depends on the, if it's an enterprise company, more discovery, if it's smaller, weave the demo in sooner, but, but get some discovery beforehand and weave in discovery as you're demoing. Anyway, I don't think there's a one size fits all recommendation from my perspective. It really does depend on how much of an asshole the pro prospect is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you say product, asshole? Asshole. <laughs> am I allowed to say? Am I allowed to say asshole? Absolutely. Okay, great. Awesome the asshole job. they are. <laughs>
<laughs> yes, Pete. Carney. <laughs> I know this joke is going to be awful. <laughs> awful good. Are you, are you got <laughs> awful good? I got why a preview. Did, why, why do dads take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? I don't know. Why do golfers take an extra pair of socks in, with them while playing golf? In case they get a hole in one. Please subscribe <laughs> to our YouTube channel. Funnier second time around when you hit record. <laughs> yes. Uh, Grace, you got any shout outs for us? I've got a, I got a couple, only a couple, only a couple. Uh, I'm going to shout out some of my, my favorite people in the business who are mentors and friends. Uh, the amazing Pete Kazanji, Anthony Cesario, or AC over at Clary, Dan Templeton, Joe Caprio, uh, Roy Renani, CEO uh, and founder over at Chorus, Jennifer Lenningan, my OG mentor and sales mom, uh, and then Vishal Sunak over at Link Squares. Uh, and that's it. Just a, just a couple. <laughs> my whole network. <laughs> Yeah, you got a few there. Not a problem. Hey, our turn. Chelsea Plaro, four years at Sprout Social. Sarah Jaworski Kozinski, two years at Salesforce. Mary Wright, celebrating one year at Creighton Barrel. Jerrica Vaughn, celebrating one year at Irvana. Irvasana, in touch. Matt McClowski, celebrating one year at Ray's Wright, formerly Shop with Script. Connor Donahue's got a new position of Vice President of IT at NRC Sales Operations. KG, how do you know Grace? Well, Grace is a, is somewhat of a legend in the sales space these days. She's in a, she's very much of an upper up and comer, but but honestly, I was jealous. She went on Lori Richardson's podcast talking about women in leadership and women in sales and stuff. And, uh, and I saw that I'm like, uh, uh-uh, you're going to come on the assholes and we're going to talk about women in leadership. So I had to, uh, had to reach out to, to grace and, uh, you know, total, uh, total customized message, personalized approach. And, uh, she responded and now nine months later, she's on the show. <laughs> <laughs> nine months. It was a good message. Very tailored. Thank you so much for coming on the show, grace. Glad to be here. Give us the uh, give us the two minute summary of your uh, your your career. You didn't you didn't just jump right into sales uh, in the United States, did you? I did not. No. So I just like I stumbled into this Zoom, this podcast. I stumbled <laughs> into sales, like a lot of people do, actually. Uh, so I uh, I studied philosophy in college. Obviously, highly applicable to managing a standard B two B SaaS sales process. Yes. Um, love that for you. I, I then was a middle school math teacher and uh, I really was, I was yearning for something with a bit more uh, of a, an upward trajectory, a bit more earning potential, maybe even a little bit more balance in my life. Teachers are doing the Lord's work. I, yeah. I shout out to teachers. Yeah. Um, but I, I went into a BDR role uh, at Insight Squared in Boston and went the very traditional path BDR to AE to sales management um, and through that time I was in Boston and then Amsterdam opening a, a European sales office from the ground up, which was an amazing experience. Uh, and then over to San Francisco where I was leading a team at chorus. Now <laughs> I am at reprise living in Columbus, Ohio, which is, uh, just an amazing city. Highly recommend you visit. Doesn't get enough credit. Well, guys, the Ohio state. Some people oh, call that the uh, the Paris of the Midwest. I've heard <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are both in Chicago, so I think they they look down on. Uh, well, there is a Paris, Illinois. There is a Paris, Illinois. There is a Paris, Illinois. I only know from Fancy Nancy books with my kids. There's a Paris, Texas. 
That's one You're of all the, about uh, fancy Nancy Carney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what is love- reprise? It looks pretty cool. You can uh, cool. you can uh, test drive the site. Is that what I saw? Tell us yeah. about that. Clicks. Reprise creates a clone of the front end of your product that you can customize endlessly. Craft the perfect demos guiding your customer to all those wow moments. Yes. It is it is the coolest technology that I have ever sold by far. No offense to my previous employers. Um, wow. No, <laughs> they sucked. Don't tell, don't tell I don't me. know. Chorus is pretty cool. Now Chorus, I'm really, okay, now right? I'm really intrigued. Not a, yes. They used to be cool. Chorus is very cool. And that's yes. just how cool Reprise is that it's even cooler. Do we know? I'm a big fan of Chorus. Uh, so <laughs> Reprise is a demo creation platform. So basically our solution can take make a clone very easily without engineering resources, make a clone of your product that you can then use for sales demos. You can share it out. You can add guides to it. So most of our customers are using it for marketing uh, demos on their website that are interactive. So people can actually get in there and feel and touch and taste, hopefully not taste, but they can really experience the product. And, uh, and in sales, it's for, you know, you, you, you all have given demos, right? So, you know, the, the tricks of, Oh God, my internet's not working, or I have to pop my screen, or something goes or wrong. Not recording. None of that. <laughs> Reprise prevents all of that nonsense, uh, or having to hound engineering to get a demo environment that looks that looks feels and feels good. So yeah. that's what we do. How do you how do you do that on a sales call? Do you do you send an email? You know, sample. Tr- you know, try us out. Like in the uh, the old job board business, we would just give a free job posting to somebody and have them post it up and see what cross the fingers. Hopefully, they like it. Yeah, how like do how, how do you how do you how do you demo reprise? Like how do you how do you eat your own dog food? Reprise. Yes, reprise. But you can call it reprise. We don't mind. Everyone does. Everyone does it. Everyone in the US does it. Uh, it's very meta. It's very, it gets weird. It gets weird to demo reprise, obviously, because we're demoing a demo creation platform. So uh, marketers, we have we have customers like Pendo that have reprises like product demo on their interactive on their site. So we'll showcase that for marketers. Like, hey, this is how you could use it on your on your website so that people who come here wanting to feel the product can do it. Um, but for talking to a sales leader, demoing reprise, we demo uh, our ability to capture a, a web application and we show them that the process of capturing and then the what, it, what the output is, which is a perfect, beautiful, interactive clone of this product that we create within minutes. So that so- normally gets people's interest. Then we send it out after the fact. We send a guided one via email, like you said, uh, as well, Pete. So, uh, so they get to feel it after the call and before the call and during the call so, and experience the product. So basically, reprise is the Febreze for your uh, demos, makes them less smelly. I'm sorry, he's got really bad humor. It does. Um, Thank you. I really appreciate. It. I was about to leave. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's offended. Yeah, I, I was. I'm offended. Um, I would imagine in today's environment, with the ability to produce videos and demos that this is becoming more and more popular. I know at, at our company, a lot of our follow-up emails are customized demos of our product and our software. And it's not customized in the fact that I've seen the probably back in the day when it was so expensive, people would hold up one white sheet and say, Hey, and change the name. Like it's truly customized because you yeah. can do it on the fly. and so quick. Yes. Is that sort of uh, a lot of the use cases I would imagine, right? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So most, uh, most of the time we don't get all of the decision makers on the, on the call too. So yeah, sending it out, uh, sending out your product in a way that's interactive and guided that you're, you're showcasing the value and letting them click through and feel it. 
Um, that's really big for multi-threading and, and sales follow-ups. Also live on the call, you want the mm -hmm. demo to be customized and tailored and, and really resonate with that vertical, with that person. Um, so Reprise lets, lets salespeople do that really easily and quickly. So yes, you, 100%. Are, are, are owners uh, concerned about losing control of the actions of the people on the site? You know, what percentage do you put up there? Because you want to have somebody directing the action. I remember in the old days, you would never give screen control to the person on the other end because you would lose control. They would totally. go off on a tangent and find a dead link and says this sucks. So totally. how, how much, uh, what percentage of the site do you give away? Not give away, but let them play let with Let them it. really go go wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good question. We have, we're the only um, platform in the space that has two approaches. So we have uh, both guided demos, which are, which are much more on the rails. So that's like most, most marketers on a website, they do a guided demo. So there's very specific parts that they will allow them to go into and click through. So they're experiencing it and it's interactive. Not it's more interactive than a video, but it's guided for a live sales demo. We, we also have this approach where we create basically a sandbox, like a sandbox replica of the whole product, totally freewheeling that's what sales reps will use so that they can click into anything they need to in a demo. But when you send it out, we, we, we recommend, and we advise on this for customers, but we recommend it's a, it's a bit more guided because yeah, you don't want someone going down a rabbit hole if that can get, that can get weird. So we, we, we have both approaches. Um, super easy to do both. My salespeople always used to say like, ah, oh, you know, we just, we need some more marketing materials, you know, guy, I just don't have enough marketing materials this demo environment is a marketing material. Let's just be honest with, with ourselves. And I used my response to that would be, if it was really all about the marketing materials, then we wouldn't need you. You know, we just send marketing materials and people would, you know, totally. people would, you know, would sign up. And, and so, um, but you've got to have something, you know, you've got one sheets and you've got your template emails and, you know, why, why not? Uh, but do you see that there are, I mean, it, it sounds as if I have zero data on this, except to say that at ZipRecruiter, they had, when I was there, tens of thousands of inbound registrations every single month, almost a hundred, hundreds of thousands of inbound leads every single month. And there would be a, a large portion that would buy themselves and then the portion that needed the handholding. Mm -hmm. and, and so while I hate to say it, Grace, I think you're right in that uh, not that I'm like disagreeing with you being right. I, I'm just like, I hate to <laughs> I hate say, to it, say but that it, you're right, Grace. It depends. I, it yes. really, I think it really does, you know, depend. Do you just simply go here, here's your demo, go look at it yourself, give them what, give them what they want. Yeah, um, yeah. and maybe that's what it comes down to get, you know, if they just want to see it themselves, then, Hey, you, your viewpoint, I mean, as the head of sales, Grace, do you look at this and go send it to them? Don't waste your time. They're going to, they're going to hand raise with questions. And once they do that, then you get them into discovery or something like that. I mean, how do you yes. handle that? I, so something I've always, something I always used to say, which I still believe is, uh, if you are going to give them a generic demo, that's the same demo you could give to anyone. There is no point wasting your time, giving yeah. them a live demo on a call, which is why you need to do discovery. YouTube. So that, and yes. Yeah, so now with like some, you know, with a solution like reprise, yes, send, okay. They don't want to tango. They're not willing participants in your discovery process here. Go play around with the, this guided, you know, guardrail based value driven experience of the product that I can send out to anyone. Don't waste my time as a sales rep. 
when you're ready to actually engage with me, give me some information, like then let's talk. So yes, I that's that's completely spot on, Kevin. Yeah, and at the end of the day, people buy from people, especially large dollar yeah. amounts. Like, Do they? When, yeah, when you're talking hey, about transactional. I mean, when's the last mode, time you talk to your Amazon rep? I mean, come on, man. Like Grace is you started, but you started with like you can renew without talking to that person again. But you, when you're talking about half a million dollar deals, people talk, people sell, people buy from people. Like they're not they're not buying on a a demo no no offense they're not buying on a product led demo where you just send it over to them and they go yeah i'll sign the five hundred thousand dollar deal they I, got I, a I, that channel yeah. they do all that stuff well that no pete's right i think pete's right and and grace's whole point and grace you can yes and me this is where we do the uh the tango yes <laughs> you know jamie grace's whole point is with the advent of plg and buyers that that are comfortable Wait, buying PL, what? product led growth, product led growth. Why the acronyms? Is this the acronym show? Yeah, she, she threw it out there. <laughs> product led. Uh, or you okay. can say F U to Pete. Ah, there you go. I know that acronym. Yeah, now, buyers are more comfortable in a B two B environment buying higher and higher ticket environments without the aid of a salesperson. I think I heard you say that, Grace. If that's not right, please tell me I'm nuts. I think that's true. I think I actually agree with both of you. Yes, people are more because we, what we believe, what I really believe is that our B2C purchases, you mentioned Amazon, great example. They're impacting the way we buy. It's still humans, like you said, Jamie, it's still humans buying software. It's always you're buying from humans and you're humans buying. And we're used to B2C where we get instant gratification and we can just buy and, and consume without you know any interference. And so that impatience is also impacting the way we buy in B2B. So I'm not, I, I'm, I mean, I'm a salesperson. We have a whole, we have a whole sales team. We have an enterprise sales team and, and mid-market focused sales team. And we're, we have a whole sales process. So that's not gone at all. Mm -hmm. I definitely, this doesn't replace that, but it yeah. certainly augments it and helps with educating the buyers. And so that when they enter that sales process, they're getting their needs met and they're more willing to engage and move more quickly. That's and my, I, I think what I'm saying is once you cross a certain threshold, dollar amount, I think you need to have a person involved there because there needs to be a lot of trust. Someone's held accountable. And then there's a lot of, you can send me a demo all day long. People back channel themselves and want to talk to your clients and, and stuff totally. like that. I agree, and, which is why we have this. We do have, uh, we have the capabilities for these shareable demos, but also for live sales demos, because there is value in a salesperson taking someone through the product and, and having it be tailored and talking about the value for them based on that needs analysis and that discovery. So I, I don't, anyway, I wasn't trying to negate that. <laughs> no, let's, let's talk about this, the small businesses out there. Okay. The 99% out there that e-com can deal with. If you're going to do a drip campaign, say six weeks, where does the demo fall in? Because you're going to send an email out you're going to see what they clicked on and you're going to arrange a, a campaign based on what they clicked on. What does that look like? When does that come into the email campaign for the smaller companies out there like myself that I'm my own chief marketing officer? How does that work with your product? It should be early and often is our, is our opinion. Like we should, we should lift the curtain on our product as much as we can and as much as we're willing to. So yeah, within a drip campaign, we do this all the time. We have we call them uh, replays or shareable demos, but we we share those interactive product tours in in drip campaigns tailored for the persona. 
So our recommendation is early and often, and it should be tailored. It should be highly specific for that person, that, that vertical industry. And, and without something like reprise, that's super manual and time consuming expensive to create. With reprise, you take it, you clone the product really quickly, you make it shareable, you add a few guides, and you, and you tailor it for the, you can you tailor it for the person, you can tailor it for the, the company, the vert, right? So that can work at scale in a marketing drip. Um, and typically what we find is that there's a really high engagement with that because it's way more interactive than a video and it's more interesting for people to see, okay, well, how does this work for me? How, what would this act, what is this product? Like, what the hell is this product? I want to know. <laughs> and I don't want some marketing speak about what it is. I want to just be able to feel it for myself. So anyway, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, uh, Pete, but, but. Well, let's just often. say a real simple website. They sign up for, uh, yes, I'd like to know more. Okay. Then you send them an email. Hey, here is, uh, try it. How does that look like? Like, what do you say to them? Hey, try this, make up a business, make a simple e-commerce business. Uh, I'm selling widgets. How, how does that work? Yeah. So we have, basically we can take the, the, the demo and share it and in the email and they can click in and they can go through the, the product experience, the product flow right away. So that, that's how it works. And what we might say, it depends on like, basically we work with marketing teams. We identify what are those aha moments in the product? What are the competitive differentiators? What are the, what are the moments when people see it? They go, ah, okay, I get it. This is interesting. Then we, we showcase that. And, and to my mind with a demo, I always like to show as little as I need to show and only what will resonate and really be relevant to that person. And the same thing applies with like the copy and the messaging there around a shareable product demo. Simple, sweet, concise, only what they need to see, only what this person is likely to care about and, and not more and not more than that. So it's a one email drip. Bam, try us out. Yeah, here's the product, try it. Okay, but it's got not it. like, here's a sandbox, sign up for a free trial, get it all set up. It's like, no, click in and immediately experience this fully populated demo environment on the rails. And it's only what I, as a company, want you to experience and see. So it's very, it's, you can control it. You can really control that experience. In, in your past life, you had an interview company, right? Yes. How have interviews changed? Like, say... But just saying, the last five years, are videos coming more into play? Are videos getting Oof. recorded? People are checking it out. You know, compliance and yeah. How can you yes. save time? What's what's going on out there? It's interesting. Oh my goodness, what an interesting space. Uh, I I want to say something, but it might be offensive to some. I'll say it. <laughs> then say it. <laughs> I don't. I, I do not enjoy selling in the HR tech space. Yeah, let's talk about that. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. We're, we're all from space. that. We're all from that oh. space. So bring it on, yeah. Grace. Well, I wish I had known you all then so I could get some damn advice about how to keep my sanity. Um, anyway, yeah, that was just, that was, that's a whole other thing. That was tough, like just from a budget authority perspective. Yeah. Uh, prioritizing urgency. I love selling to sales and marketing leaders because we just, we just, we're just like, you know, if it makes sense, we just want to do it. <laughs> what's the cost? What's the ROI? Does it integrate with Salesforce? Cool. Okay, let's go. Um, so how have interviews changed? COVID had a big impact on, uh, on moving to video, as we all know. Uh, so yeah, most interviews now are video. That's like, that's completely become the norm. Um, the Luma, the company I had founded is, uh, basically like chorus for interviews, lots of challenges with that space though, around compliance, people being yeah. concerned about, okay, well, what if we record it? And the ma hiring manager asks, 
something that is illegal, right? So there's Correct. a lot of concerns with that, um, but it's it's hard to save time on interviews without capturing and slicing it up and making it share, making them shareable, like what we see with chorus or gong. Like that's mm-hmm. such a valuable thing to capture the conversations and analyze them. But it's, it's a, it's a tough space. I will say I'm not in it anymore for, for a reason. I'm just curious if, you know, the, the old school, Hey, sell me this pen and you can see them try to sell you that pen, right, and, right, right, you, know, right. go, you know, go down the list. I just wondering if people are using videos more than they have. They are. There's tons of solutions that have popped up that are like one way video interviewing and you just record yourself and the people, they analyze it. And, and, but there's a lot of challenges with that technology too, with AI, even having bias within the AI and yeah, yeah. it's a can of worms. (laughs) I just want people that can sell. You know what? That sucked. That present, your sales presentation sucked. There's your bias right there. Continue. So, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> so, well, really? Back to reprise. Back to reprise. I got a question for you. Um, Jamie, I can tell you're skeptical. I can tell you're skeptical of reprise. <laughs> no, I'm not skeptical at all. In fact, I, I was actually asking my solution engineers, what tool are they using? I'm not skeptical okay. at all. I think, good, I think good. we should, we'll uh, we should look, we should talk after this. So <laughs> if, if I'm coming off that way, I'm more of skeptical of these two, why they're on this assholes podcast. I get um, it. I get so it. That's why I get the sarcasm. <laughs> um, but with today's just muted me with today's world and the economy, the way it is, the biggest thing that people are running into in the sales and marketing space right now is what we call drunken tool confetti. Like they're like, I've got so many tools. We're looking at consolidation because everyone's been, you said earlier, sales and marketing um, buy when they, when it makes sense. The problem is they do buy when it makes sense. And then they've got 15 tools and none of them have been implemented or, or all of them do like a little bit of, of, of everything. But at the end of the day, one of them does it all. How are you handling that? And where does, reprise fall in into the drunken tool confetti talk that you're dealing with today. I might've been guilty of some of, some of that behavior myself as a sales leader. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Everyone is. <laughs> to be honest, my, my sales ops uh, person is a saint. Um, so God bless her. Uh, yes. Great question. Uh, there are what I, one of the reasons I joined reprise, I will, I will answer your question. I promise was because I truly have, I've felt and seen as a sales leader that just about every part of the sales process has been optimized. There's tools, tooling around it, but according to Gartner, half of buyers do not want to talk to salespeople. Um, they will, cause they have to, especially if they're making a really large purchase, right. But they, they don't want, they want to experience the product and they cite demos as the most important piece of their evaluation in terms of co- a piece of collateral or, or something that helps the sale. So anything related to demos or selling your product with, with your product, that's where we live. And that's such a crucial part, like taking the, the, the transfer of ownership within a sales process of I'm showing you to the prospect has been starting to think about, this is how I would use it. This is how I would implement yeah. it. This is what my team would, would see. That transfer is one of the most, in my opinion, one of those pivotal parts of the sales process. And so where do we fit in? Anything related, like we were, we replace often, not always, but, but we are across the funnel marketing through sales, through CS, our customers use this for any, any time their product is going in front of a potential customer or a current customer. That's, mm-hmm. that's how they're using it. Um, so basically your sales demos, this, this is your sales demos. This is making your SEs more efficient and effective. 
so that because the AEs are equipped with these beautiful demos that they can use live, that they can share out, they can showcase very difficult, specific niche features. They have this asset library of demos they can they can use live and share. And the SEs are then able to focus on these uh, these really big, important deals rather than jumping on and saving our asses early on in unqualified sales calls, which we do tend to make them do. So Grace, anyway, yes. Do you do you eat your own dog food? Is it like looking in the mirror? How do you give a demo of a demo preview site? I'm gonna send <laughs> listen, I'm gonna send you via email after this. I'll send you a demo. Uh, send it to Jamie. <laughs> We do. I will. I'll send we it to use, Jamie. We use Demo Pro and a, a, a Salesforce demo environment and Word Replacer to change words. That's what we do. Just FYI, because I asked about very it. Very interesting. I will. When be I asked what 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 do we use? Because I was intrigued. So when you say I was skeptical, you were intrigued. Okay, I, I misread your intrigued face as your skeptical face, um, not knowing you well at all. So uh, that's great. I'll be reaching out. <laughs> we, <laughs> we actually are able to, we, we showcase, we do, we do drink our own champagne or eat our own dog food. Absolutely. We, uh, oh, we have a, on an early call, we have a, a, this fake web application. That's like your most generic SaaS app ever. And we show, and we capture it. We show it live. We like, we click the button, we rec we record, you know, the, the, the app, we click finish and we show the output and it looks and feels exactly, it's interactive. It looks and feels exactly like that original SaaS app. And then of course, what, you know, we, we have other examples as well. Like here's our, here's our uh, capture of, of Salesforce. Here's our capture of outreach. Like these, com these common tools that yeah. you've seen before. And we, sh we show, here's what it looks like. Oh, and you want to change the names? Boop. You want to uh, put this person's logo in? Boop. It's that easy. You want to share it out? You want to add guides? Okay. Here's the guided version that we'll send you after the call. So that's how we do it. Um, did I, I think it's a telltale sign that if you don't like, if you don't eat your own dog food, like at people AI, I mean that we live and breathe our own product, but yeah. you don't I'm eat your own dog food. Out. Why buy it from somebody else? Oh yeah. Um, I think that's number one telltale sign. Do you eat oh, your own no. dog food? Uh, no. Or as Pete would say, drink your own dog food or eat your own champagne. Um, <laughs> Liquid <laughs> but, dog food. People AI keep saying it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, we totally, it's, it's incredible. Like, oh, I've had, I've had problems with demo instances in the past. Like I, not the lack of control over it as a sales leader. Yeah. Shit gets sideways. It gets weird. It's buggy. You don't have the latest and greatest to showcase quickly in, in the market. Like it, this is, this is, this is big. I'm a big So I got another question. So I, I've dealt with a lot of PE firms. It looks like you guys are owned by Bain. Is that right? Uh, Bain Capital? Uh, not owned by, no. They invested in our Series A round and, and oh, I got in you. our Series B. Yeah. So we have Iconic and Bain uh, and Glasswing as, as primary investors. Do you, do you have free coffee? Do I what? Do you have oh, free, free coffee? No. I don't in get In the office? All I, we're totally remote. All I have is 10 reprise shirts, 50 stickers. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying, coming coming from equity firms, you you know you're in trouble when the free coffee goes away. That's all I'm saying. We never That's had it. So. Okay, boom. They're not, not owned not by, not owned by private equity. We're not PEO. We're not You know that's uh, funny. At Flexera, they removed the free coffee. They didn't remove the free coffee. They removed the, the cups. All the cups they removed. And you had I'm to bring just saying, your own for product. all the new leaders out there, the new sales reps. You you want to know when things are getting wonky? See if the coffee's gone. That's yeah. all. Continue. I or if they remove not. the cups for the coffee. That See is the truly a dark moment. time, a, a world I do not want to live in. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. All right, can, can continue. We'll edit some of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or like not. most of it. 
Well, so like how, what, what are the components of like, I mean, you, you all have, have seen this before, you know, Grace, what are the components of like a really shitty demo? Like there's, I, I, I can tell you that at my previous shitty companies, that we would demo in a live environment with real customer data. <laughs> like, okay, so rule number one, don't, don't demo with real customer data. Oops, like real client data. Yes. Okay, so rule number one. What, Grace, what are, what are some of the other components of like really shitty demos out there? That alone, by the way, is a reason to buy reprise. <laughs> Right. anonymize it. Yes, that happens. I've done it and it is very sketchy. Okay. Uh, other components of a really bad demo. It's generic, very generic, like, like from a flow perspective for the sales rep, they just, again, if you are going to give the same demo with, and there's nothing you're going to change for this person, why are you spending 30 minutes to an hour on a call giving this generic demo? That could be a video or it could be a, even better, a reprise demo. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, uh, overkill. It's like going into every feature and function, losing control of the demo. I'm sure I've been there. They ask some technical questions. You get in the weeds, you forget, Oh, why does this actually matter? Do we really need to be going into this, this, you know, very niche little corner of the product that looks like shit? Probably not. Um, feature focus, not tying to value, not at, not engaging with good, not transferring ownership by asking effective questions to get the prospect articulating value and, 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 and where they might see this fitting. Um, no storytelling, monotone. I mean, from a demo environment perspective, certainly showing sensitive information, <laughs> showing customer data. Yeah. I've had issues with, with a past product. I will not say which one where all the reps would be in the same environment. We were yeah. showing customer data. We were right. changing things on demos. You'd go in you didn't know what was going to happen. Just surprise. Oh, there's this new thing here. It looks different. The analytics yeah because of that would look, would tell the opposite story that you plan to tell. It's like, Oh, not setting next steps. That's what leads to, to outcomes. You know, that's what it, the, the product would show. You're like, so you had to, there's just a lot of selling around product that you had to do. And that's, that makes a really bad demo. It hurts your credibility and it just, it's just not valuable for the prospect. So you used to be a BDR. How does that work in, in this company now? Cause it's, it should be pretty simple. I, Send a like demo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, I, I like, still believe in cold calling. Cold calling's not dead, my my opinion. So we we have a BDR team. We oh, cold it's on call. live support. <laughs> nah, it might be on live support. But well, I'm, first I'm of all, you have to actually call somebody on the phone. Yes. All right. So yes, that's they all do. I'm we got some great cold callers on the team. Our BDR team is actually fabulous. Uh, seriously, they. Every single one hit 100% plus last month, and they're on target for that this month too. So shout Woo-hoo! out to the BDRs. How do they fit 20 calls in a day? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They're going for five a day. That's that's the that's the bar. <laughs> bar is high. Remember back in the day, what was 75 minimum? Oh yeah, okay. I was making 120 calls a day. Like yeah, now, I was at the top of the leaderboard. Not to brag. Yes, of course, of course. Of I liked course. cold calling. I liked it. It was a rush. It was a oh yeah. Waste of time. KG, you had something? <laughs> you know, I talked to a, a friend of mine, uh, Grace, last week, and she works for a um, really fast-growing software company in San Francisco. Top sales rep. She used to be a president's chair or president's club winner for me. And, of course, her manager came to her and said, we want you to be a manager. And uh, and uh, she respects this person and she respects me. And I said, do it. You can always go back. But I think you'd make a great leader. And she calls me a week later and she goes, I am drowning. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. 
And I, and I, and I obviously stalked you and did some research on how, you know, you, you made that transition as, uh, as well. And obviously you've done a great job. What, what was it like for you to transition uh, from salesperson, individual contributor into in sales, sales leader? And what tips do you have for other people like yourself and even women in leadership? Totally. Love the question. It was really hard. Uh, it was made easier because I had, a, first of all, I had an amazing mentor, Jennifer, who I shouted out earlier. Uh, she, like, she basically negative reversed me about becoming a manager for a year before I became, <laughs> she just like, she went negative on me. She was like, okay, you know, this is going to suck. You're going to make less money than your top, than you are as a top performer. Like, look how much you made. You're probably going to, you know, she set so many expectations, but like, it's hard when you're a peer to transition to be their leader. Like she really told me the worst of the worst about that next role, which was great because it, it, over the course of a year, I did a lot of soul searching, like, do I really want this? And, and anyway, so going in with talk to other sales leaders and really get the real deal. That's my advice to, to, if you're mm-hmm. thinking about going to sales leadership, because there, there are a lot of challenges and it really is not for everyone. And being an IC is a lot of fun and you can make a lot of money. Um, but for me, the challenging part was, uh, having, I mean, the classic, like having really tough performance management conversations, cause I wanted to be liked. I wanted to, you know, to be there, still be their friend kind of, or I didn't feel totally comfortable in this hat. So, um, that was really tough to, to know how to navigate those conversations with clarity and kindness, but, but clarity, like clear, clear is kind. So I was, I, I beat around the bush too much as a new manager on mm. whether they were meeting expectations. Yeah. So that's my advice is like, don't do that. Um, for sales leader, like ask for sales management training. I highly recommend Matt Cameron and his courses, um, with frontline sales, sales leadership courses. He's awesome. I went through his course. That was a huge help for me. Most managers do not get a lot of training when they transition from IC right. to manager. <laughs> right. And right. It's not an easy, it's, it's a, it's a completely different role, completely different role. So highly recommend getting sales training, even if you have to pay out of pocket for it, get some sales leadership training. And Matt Cameron's is the most tactical like best training I've been, I've been part of as, as a sales leader. So highly recommend that. And you get um, it from your sales manager. What'd you say? Shouldn't you get this training from your sales manager? That's my other advice. You should, but when you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you you're working at a crappy company. Since you're at a good company, Grace, let me throw this little curveball at you. Okay. <laughs> okay perfect. When, when, when you come up with a comp plan, you want to pay salespeople to the degree of influence that they have over the sale. It seems to me from what I've seen on your product, the brand is influencing the sale more than a salesperson would. If that's the case, do you see uh, taking away pay at risk and just paying a market salary to the sales reps uh, on your team? What do you, what do you think? We've been talking to my CEO. Seriously? No, no, we, no, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, so actually I would like, I would love to, to, I, I think that the way we, we compensate salespeople might have some issues and personally, and I, I, I would Everybody love a change, but to yeah. stay competitive and, be, and basically we talked about something like this, right. But I mean, we're like, this is not the battle we're going to, this is not the hell we're going to die on. So no. So our salespeople do actually have a good bit of influence on the sale like the product is, a, is our biggest asset, like reprise, uh, reprise of reprise is our biggest asset, our, our demos. Um, but they do a lot. They do a lot. So we still, we still compensate very, very typical, you know, B2C SaaS salesperson compensation, but that's a whole other can of worms. I'd love to well, dive here, into. Let's, let, 
uh, the power went out of KG's house, but we'll we'll continue on this one. If you had a magic wand, okay, if if recruiting's doing a good job bringing people in, and there is a good system in place where you can weed out a a mishire, do you see a lot of weight? I mean, I've been out of the biz for a while, but I've always seen wasted energy on trying to justify what you should have been paid or not been paid versus just paying a top market salary. Um, would you like to see that with the cop? There's no caveat. It's top market. You're always going to pay them where, so that uh, what yeah. they're making isn't going to be a question. They're always going to be yeah. in the t- top market. Would you prefer to see that? Would that free up more time? I would like to see it as, lo- as long as there's, which there is here, but as long as there's strong performance management standards, Yes. I mean, I am, I am somewhat money motivated. I'm in sales, but it's not why I, it's not why I strive to do a good job. I, I really just, I just give too much of a shit about the number. Right, yeah. So it's like, it's not even about, for me, it's not, but I know a lot of people would, would, would definitely balk at that. I, but me, yes, I would love to go that direction. I think there's challenges. There are two, there's two main challenges to that, Pete, because I'm, I'm kind of on the agreement with you, but it's, it is yeah, uh, the market get on the sales plan up front, but at the end, when you screw up on the quotas and <laughs> the market, the market, like everyone expects a certain upside and they make all this money, even though half of them don't even make uh, their full OTE. Um, that is a big thing. And then two, it's trust. A lot of the um, People behind the scenes don't trust the salespeople to do to to manage to make sure that they're doing the work. So when sales isn't hitting, when you guys are when when sales is below the number, what you know it's usually like oh the salespeople are lazy, they're this, they're not doing everything, they're out golfing, they don't feel the pain. Well, she, Grace they said do. you have to have good strong leadership. That's I know, the but there's also there's ten there's ten percent of salespeople that are are, are probably five to ten percent of the salespeople that are playing that game. They're they're like che- checked out you know, and, and stuff like that. And they're ruining it for the other 90% that could do it. Or and then there's probably another 10% that are awesome and they want to make as much money as possible. And therefore 80% are just, you know, complaining the entire time because they're doing everything that have asked of them and yet people aren't trusting it. So yeah. you've got to find a way to make sure that all the activities and the way your go-to-market, your go-to-market playbook is an agreement with the salespeople and then there's a way to to validate what they're doing and ensure that what they're doing so is right. That's what we said, there. strong leadership. Why strong, do we waste you need, all this you need, time? You need software in place, I think, to do that as well. Because otherwise they can fake it until, uh, you know, they can, they, if they're- Again, nobody's faking it. Everybody's above board. Here, I'll ask Grace another curveball question. All right. Okay, we're paying yeah. everybody a salary, but you're going to set a bar for them to hit when you're doing a sales plan, what percentage of those people should be hitting the bar that you set or the sales quota? How do you know you got a good comp plan? Mm, that that's... wasn't in the notes. <laughs> oh, shoot. Actually, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Um, so it, it's it, that's okay. Uh, I would like, this is my own, this is my own opinion. This is not like based on really. That's on, why you're uh, on the show. That's why you're on the show. Not based on like golden standards of, uh, yeah, of, of anything. So I would like to see about 30% of my team hitting 100% plus. That's that's what I'd like to see. Um, and I would like to see 70%-ish, 60 to 70% at 70% plus. 
that's generally what I like. You're going to have, you are going to have folks that, that fall below, fall well below. Like you, okay. you I, I think it depends on if, if they're hunters, I agree with you. Hunter reps, a third should hit plan. I would say then 50% should be at 80%. And then the remainder should be below. And those are the ones that Why? you're, you're, well, they're, they're just going to be below. They either have bad accounts. You either got to look at them and say, they're not the right fit or we gave, we screwed up and we need to make, we need to coach them into being better. That's typically the lay of what you should expect, not what you're planning for. What you're yeah. planning for is hopefully all of them make plans. If you have every- a third winning, you got two thirds of the people pissed off. Don't you? Not really. It depends on if you're a hunter. We even asked, um, we asked that exact I'm same question. I'm just asking. We could- we're she asking Grace. Answer the uh, question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would. I would. No. I mean. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, sticky wicked. Sticky wicked. Very sticky wicked. Very sticky wicked. Uh, well, it's a good thing we're at the end of the show, Grace. Yeah. Gotta go. Quota setting is 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 definitely very it's tough. tough, and it's not not enough thought is put into it often. Is my well, it, well yeah, that's period. true, and it depends if okay. you're. you're so I will disagree. There is so much thought put into quota setting, but everyone gets mad at how quota it's setting. There's a thing called the qualm. Oh right, yeah, yeah gonna... that's fair. That's fair. But here's my here's my gripe from a from a like a sales. Le- there might be a lot of thought. Okay, thinking about goals in general, not just quotas. Yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of thought put into it, but then there's it's it's like well, but we want it to you know there's a desire for it to be different than what the reality and the data says it it should be. One hundred percent, and I would say the biggest thing that you need to do as a as a, as a RevOps person, the biggest thing that you need to do as a RevOps person is bring everyone as many people into the fold as possible, it's so they understand all the inputs and strategy behind it. Because in a lot of cases, it has to do with not hiring enough people, or you're losing a lot of people at the end of the year, um, and now you're sort of in a, a tough bind. Because yes. you've got to have enough quota on the street to fulfill the number that your board is asking you to fill. So we're throwing this out now because what's happening next month, generally, Carney? Is that budget time? You all, you geeks. Uh, Budgeting is and- probably starting. Everyone's redefining their budget for this year. I mean, this is Wait, we're, in the, we're in a recession. Like so correcting for their for their for all the people not hitting quota, adjusting things. So these yeah, or just adjusting their entire business and their entire structure. That's going. That's been going on the last three, four months. It's going to continue for another three. But, I think all the startups and all of that are pretty much through it for now. And then the middle and the bigger firms are going to start. You're going to start feeling impact. All right. So look out for the if you're in an office and there's no more coffee, watch out. <laughs> if you're in a remote <laughs> office. <laughs> if you are not the low cost or if you are not the best of breed in the market or the market leader or a low co- cost provider look up if you're in between those if you're in an in-between phase it's going to be a tough ride for the next six months and if you're a sales leader be prepared for you getting that knock on the door and they say you got to lose 20 percent. you better know what 20 percent is leaving and it better not be a surprise to anybody. Mm-hmm. Grace, Grace. In this economy, my God, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Grace, what's the best way for our uh, viewers and listeners to learn more about you and uh, your company? 
You can find us at reprise.com, R-E-P-R-I-S-E.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Grace Tyson, search Grace Tyson, Reprise, you'll find me. Um, and you can email me at grace at reprise.com. <laughs> Great. Grace, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Great to meet you both. I'll All be in right. touch, Jamie. On behalf of Jamie, Justin, KG, myself, Pete, we thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm just telling you, the algorithms really love it when you hit that little bell and subscribe. It'll take 30 people from learning about SAS to 3,000. We'd like to say thanks to our Patreon support for supporting our content. It's a real ego boost. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Hey, do you know anything about Brent Keltner? He's got a master class. I've heard it's a masterful master class. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you got a challenge for training and enablement stuck in the old product-driven model, the, the even bigger challenge is changing the product-driven mindset. Your solution is Brent Keltner's Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass with sales and marketing expert Brent Keltner. It's a free 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com. We'd also like to thank Aaron J. and Trent S. Hey, let's not forget about Iron Man. Unlock key account growth with Demand Farm Smart Software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Request a demo now at demandfarm.com. Ask for Iron Man. Hey, recruiters, you're looking for a, uh, a good software manager? We got a good one here. 10 years. I don't know what these acronyms are, but there's a no in there. Check it out. Email Pete at sassholes.net if you're interested. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Cue the non-copyrighted music. Music.